From the KLYT Broadcast Studio, this is ABQ Connect. Your input on today's topic is important to us. Join in the conversation by calling 505-338-5790 or text 505-585-LIVE. ABQ Connect. All right. Wow, it's already Wednesday. Hump day. Yep. Valentine's Day. Yep. Uh, the, the, the week's... You know, in some ways it feels like it's going. I don't know how to explain it. Some ways it feels like it's going slow, and some some ways it feels like it's going fast. But uh, thanks for tuning into ABQ Connect. Uh, I do want to let you know uh, that uh, the East Mountain Calvary Satellite Campus Interest Meeting is on the calendar for Sunday, February twenty fifth. Did you catch that? You know, you may be in the East Mountains and drive into one of the other Calvary campuses, or maybe you watch online uh, and you've had that feeling. Man, it sure would be nice if if uh, Calvary Church was set up here in the East Mountains. Well, they're talking about it, and it's happening Sunday, February 25th at 11 a.m. So if you'd like to be a part of a satellite campus in the East Mountain area for Calvary Church, come on out for this interest meeting and find out more. It's happening at the Vista Grande Community Center in Sandia Park on Highway 14 near La Madera. Uh, And if you want details, go to calvarynm.com. Church And actually, something else that's happening that same weekend, uh, Sheology Ladies having an open house at Calvary Church in Albuquerque on Osuna, west of Jefferson. Uh, that's uh, They're actually doing that one February 24th and 25th. So if you went on the 24th, you can still make it out to the East Mountain Meeting on the 25th. But uh, the ladies are doing that before and after uh, each of the services, the weekend services at Calvary Church, Saturday and Sunday, February 24th, 25th. They'll have appetizers fellowship, fun activities for the whole family, and meet the Sheology team. Um, You'll get information on the breakthrough groups for the upcoming Romance of Redemption study. Uh, You'll get information about the spring gathering uh, set for April 19th. That's a Friday. Uh, It's called A Better Day, and and much more. Go to Sheology.com for details. And since I mentioned the appetizers the ladies are going to have, the husbands will make sure the ladies get to it you know, so they can all go as a family and check it out, and the guys have a little little appetizer before lunch. But uh, we're welcoming, you already heard the other voice in studio with us, maybe familiar to you, Ray Mondragon joins us uh, from the Creation Science Fellowship of New Mexico uh, for the full hour today. So uh, get, uh, get your note stuff ready, whether it's uh, an iPad or a pad of some kind, uh, yep. and uh, or, or just the old-fashioned way. Uh, chisel or rock or or a pen and pen and paper, uh, but what, how do you like to take your notes, Ray? Well, I do a lot on the computer nowadays. Yep. Yep. Yeah, uh, and hopefully our listeners are following along with that. And a reminder uh, that the conversations we have with Ray uh, on a uh, monthly basis you'll find at abqconnect.online. And Ray, you've posted them as well. Yeah, I put them on my website for his glory, F O R for his glory, N M dot com. And uh, much or some of what we're covering today is kind of a tease yep. uh, for the content you're going to be covering, Ray. A little bit of a preview of yeah. what I'm going to do next Tuesday. Tuesday night at the Creation Science Fellowship of New Mexico meeting at Faith Bible Church, Moon and Central, 7 p.m., the third Tuesday of each month. Uh, which makes February 20th next Tuesday, that third Tuesday. If you want details about uh, the Creation Science Fellowship of New Mexico, 
go to CSF, that's Creation Science Fellowship, csfnm.org. And uh, Ray, in coming months, uh, we'll have some guests joining us in studio as well, hopefully. Well, next month I've got Russ Humphrey scheduled, and I'm going to touch on, well, hopefully, if we get that far, on what he's going to do next time. He's going to give the results of probably the biggest creation science research project that there has ever been, million-dollar project. Really looking forward to hearing uh, from him next month, so make sure you're with us uh, for that. Uh, but let's uh, let's jump into what you've prepared in, uh, uh, as, as we said, kind of a preview for the Creation Science Fellowship of New Mexico meeting next Tuesday night. Well, let me set the stage for you. Okay. We've already covered why well, we're dealing with the issue of the age of the universe, which for most people, they don't think about it. They just accept what the media says and what most scientists say, that the Earth is four and a half billion years old. But if you get to the Bible and read the early chapters of Genesis, along with all of the related texts elsewhere, it seems to give you the impression that the universe is only thousands of years. So magnitudes different from what uh, the common every, everyday person thinks about. So when they think of the universe, they think the universe about 20, sometimes 14 to 20 billion years. So what's the difference here? We've been discussing this for what four months now. Yeah, you know, and one of the thing, one of the things we've said pretty pretty regularly, um, uh, as far as the body of Christ goes, with you know what, uh, probably close to five percent of Bible believing Christians, church attending Christians, uh, believing uh, in the young Earth, uh, where most Christians, most ter- churches teach uh, uh, an old Earth. Uh, to not divide over that. It's not something to divide over. However, you know, uh, as far as, you know, keeping, for those who, who believe in an old earth, uh, this thought occurred to me, you know, in the same way that uh, the gospel is received by how many, you know, uh, proportionately. Um, uh, keep an open mind as we as we go through this discussion. Uh, if, if you're old earth, uh, either way, uh, keep an open mind and listen to the science. The science. Listen to the yep. science. Yep. Uh, and and uh, don't you know if 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 in your head anywhere you're hearing, well, clearly if most people think this way, is that really is that the case? <laughs> it's probably wrong. <laughs> you know, uh, well, right? Uh, yep. uh, just a thought. As you know, uh, uh, as. Um, as it, you know, just the thought occurred to me. I mean, it's true, right? I mean, oh, absolutely. And and actually, within the creation science world, in other words, those that really believe in a creator, right, and believe have a high level of belief in the Bible. Even within that group, that's what I'm saying. Most yeah. of them are old earthers. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, so in the same way, you know, you realize the gospel and the veil was lifted, and you, uh, you know, not really the same because the gospel is primary, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I don't want to compare our discussions with the, the gospel. It's not what I'm comparing is uh, proportionate. Don't don't let a proportion of people make your decision. Make your decision uh, by being a Berean and gaining the, the, what the scripture says and what science says, 
creation science. Exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and pray uh, that the Spirit yep. would reveal to you the truth. And I think the issue is how much authority do you put in what I describe as secular science? In other words, science has abandoned its roots and has abandoned the access to revelation. But we as believers believe, have a high belief in Scripture as inspired and inerrant. And there's a conflict with this old earth idea with the Bible. At least if you take the Bible in its more normal literal sense or grammatical historical sense, then there's a definite difference between an old earth view and a young earth view or old universe. I use those words kind of interchangeably because we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And always compelling uh, information, Ray. So really looking forward uh, to, to what you have to share. Well, in uh, some of our prior sessions, we gave some of the biblical reasons why, if you have a high view of Scripture, you want to hold to a relatively young universe, because the Bible seems to indicate, in fact, it gives us numbers, it gives us data, it gives us things that we can evaluate and we can calculate and figure out within a very relative range, a short range, And uh, we're talking about magnitudes of differences, thousands as opposed to billions. So there's something going on. And in fact, I want to get at the heart of that today, as we've mentioned the title of what we're going to do. In fact, the title of what I'm going to do next Tuesday is the fatal flaw of the old universe view And I call that uniformitarianism. In other words, that's the heart of the whole issue. We'll define it today. And then I'm going to try to show that uh, there's some weaknesses to it and that uh, we have a better view that the Bible gives us. So we've looked at the biblical support, why we hold to a relatively young universe and go against the tide. And we have reviewed some of the scientific evidence that is available that people can evaluate and look at the science and there's enough science that backs a relatively young earth. So we talked about radiocarbon dating and some of the weaknesses there and uh, the indicators even from it that the earth is relatively young. We had Russ Humphreys join us from his home in Tennessee and he gave some evidence for relatively young Earth, and he focused on uh, astrophysics and Genesis 1. And a reminder, if you just tuned in and missed the beginning of the show, Russ Humphreys uh, will join us again next month. Yep. Uh, we didn't get very far. I intended to <laughs> have him do a lot more, but uh, time went by. So he's going to give some more scientific data, and he's a world-class scientist. He's recognized not only all over the world, former... Sandia Labs scientist, physicist, and he's very familiar with astrophysics, in fact, all of science, basically. So it's a privilege to really have him, a world-class scientist, but he's an ardent proponent of a young universe and has lots of information. In fact, you could do months with him. And remind me, was uh, as a Christian... Uh, was Russ always on, in that camp? Oh, no, no. In fact, I, he mentioned briefly 
that uh, he met the Lord, I think, in his graduate program. And as he looked at the evidence, the evidence pointed towards a relatively young earth. And as a young believer, he believed in the Bible and he put the two together and he's been doing research ever since. Not just for Sandia National Labs, but he's done it for this oh, yeah. whole creation science movement. Right. Several articles and, and – Yeah, he's written a book at least. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And uh, some of the other stuff we've looked at. Well, the last month I gave kind of a, an overview of radiometric dating in general. Now, when we looked at radiocarbon dating, in fact, we had Marshall Jordan with us, and he basically – told us about uh, carbon-14 and how that is used to date different materials. But uh, there's a broader radiometric world out there that uh, uses other methods other than C-14 or carbon-14. So we talked about it and the assumptions they make and how the assumptions, uh, probably the four major assumptions that are made are, are probably not valid assumptions. And if they're not valid because of some other data, then uh, more than likely the billions of years that they come up with, in fact, we pointed out some inconsistencies as well, that uh, those dates are probably overestimated. In other words, they are far shorter time frame, making the earth relatively young. All right. Well, listen, if you just tuned in, uh, we're visiting today. Uh, with Ray Mondragon. He's going to be uh, the speaker at this month's Faith Bible Church uh, Christian Science Fellowship of New Mexico meeting uh, at the church uh, next Tuesday. Uh, the, that's February 20th at 7 p.m. And uh, you'll find details at csfnm.org. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, what we already teased a little bit, the fatal flaw of old of, of the old universe view. Uh, some of what Ray will be talking about, including uniformitarianism, uh, we'll get to when we come back from the break on ABQ Connect. Well, thanks for taking the time daily at 1 o'clock to join us on ABQ Connect. Uh, this last Friday, we let you know about uh, something that was happening in Santa Fe, the Mosaic Music and Arts Cafe. Uh, they're, uh, maybe not every Friday, but lots of Fridays. They're, they're preparing different activities to be a part of. Last weekend, uh, Friday uh, night in Santa Fe at the Mosaic Music and Arts Cafe. It's located uh, at the Santa Fe Church of the Nazarene in Santa Fe, uh, north of Cordova Road on Don Diego. They had Christian karaoke last week. <laughs> that had to be fun. Uh, we had uh, Karen Lafferty uh, on uh, Friday to, to promote that. But uh, Karen also mentioned when she was on uh, the art show that they're going to be doing this week, they have a Ukrainian arti artist. Uh, and uh, Andre uh, Naboka, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, but that show gets underway at 630 uh, at uh, the Mosaic Music and Arts Cafe. If you want to find out more about them, uh, just go to their Facebook. If you go to facebook.com uh, and you do a search for Mosaic Music Arts Cafe, you'll find it uh, there in Santa Fe. It's the one at the Santa Fe Church of the Nazarene in Santa Fe, uh, and then uh, the following Friday, a week from this Friday on the 23rd, open mic night. So I don't know if that's comedian or dancing or singing or uh, what, but uh, open mic, whatever that uh, may be. It sounds like a, lo 
a lot of fun. Probably diverse talents being shown that night. Uh, but uh, go check them out. Uh, each uh, Friday, it looks like they're they're doing stuff. And get on their uh, newsletter uh, if you can. It's probably best if you go to the event on a Friday uh, to give them the contact information where they can send you regular updates on their uh, activity up there. So uh, the full hour today, uh, Ray Mondragon is in studio with us, and uh, we kind of reviewed some of what we've covered over the last several months, really, uh, and uh, Ray sharing some of what he will be uh, teaching on uh, at uh, Faith Bible Church uh, next Tuesday night as part of the Creation Science Fellowship of New Mexico. That's at 7 p.m. Central at Moon next Tuesday. Uh, but uh, Ray, when we left, we teased, uh, we'd jump into the fatal flaw of old universe view and uni- uh, uniformitarianism. And I call that the fatal flaw. Yep. And why don't we uh, kind of define it and explain what it's all about? All right, taking notes. But before we do that, let me mention that most people are not aware. Of course, scientists are, but uh, everybody else probably is not aware that there are two major branches of science. The one that is most commonly referred to as science is called observational science. In other words, this is the work that the physicist does in present time. Observations can be made in present time. Experiments can be conducted. That's observational science. There's an entire branch of science called historical science. And this is important because the Bible deals with issues that took place in the past. In other words, historical events. And you can approach these historical events as science does. In other words, science comes to some conclusions. In fact, the issue of the age of the universe is an issue that deals with Historical events, in other words, past events, what happened in the past. So that's historical science. Now, what you need to keep in mind in historical science, nobody was there. In fact, what is Job 38.4? When God asks Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? You weren't there. So you don't know. You don't have all the data. You don't have all the information. You can't go back and perform an experiment on things that took place in the ancient past. So historical science deals with things that have already taken place. They've happened once. You can't recreate them. There's no time machine. You can't go back and observe them. So in historical science, a historical fact in that branch involves pieces of data that you can evaluate, just like observational science, but it also involves interpretation of the data. And this is where we as creationists will differ because we have a different perspective on the interpretation of past events. And one of the main assumptions that is made in historical science is what is called our big word for the day, uniformitarianism. In fact, if you want to remember it, you can just remember uniform, like something you put on, like a police officer, and then kind of a description of it, uniformitarianism with an I. That big word, all it means is from a scientific perspective, the assumption that they make 
is that the processes that you can observe and evaluate today, if you just simply project them back, in other words, the, the present is the key to the past. That's their mantra, you might say. So if you can evaluate, for example, the geological processes of forming a layer of sediment, how long it takes, use those numbers and project back. And when you do that and you evaluate the data, in other words, the, the layers that you can find in the earth in geology, the geological layers or the geological formation, and you measure the depth and you apply the uniformitarian equation there, you can come up with billions of years for the age of the earth. And that's how they do it. That's how they come up with it. But what I'm going to try and demonstrate next Tuesday and give you a little taste of it today is not only is that an assumption, but it, not, it cannot be verified by science because you can't go back. And in fact, there are some scientific data that in fact undermines the concept of uniformitarianism. So it's probably a faulty assumption. I, I have a quick question. <clears throat> um, those who would um, support uniformitarianism. Um, Which would be all of secular science. What, Virtually. Yeah. And this is, it's come up before on the show. What do they do with the evidence that was shown? Well, not only this evidence, but a lot of what you're going to be sharing uh, you know, but uh, you know, it always brings me back to Mount St. Helens and what, yeah. what scientists saw happen in a matter of hours or minutes. Um, uh, had they come upon it uh, days mm -hmm. later, would say it took millions of years. Yeah, well, they would view something like Mount St. Helens. An isolated. Yeah, uh, an anomaly okay. in the overall picture. All but right. uh, you actually came upon the uh, one of the scientific evidences that God has given us in more recent time that shows that there's a better view. In fact, the young earth creationists, we believe in what we call catastrophism. In other words, that's not only our assumption. In other words, in the past, there have been catastrophes that account for, for things better than the uniformitarian interpretation. And in fact, the Bible itself, I believe, and this is what I'm going to present, one of the main things I'm going to do is show that the Bible actually not only discusses uniformitarianism, people don't know that. Hmm. <laughs> There's a specific passage that discusses it, but the Bible also refutes it. In other words, the biblical worldview gives us a different perspective on past events. And some of those past events include not only creation, but uh, involve the fall of man and involve the Genesis flood. And these are catastrophic events or major events that I believe the entire created world has been affected by it. In fact, radically affected. And I'm going to give some of that data Tuesday night, and we'll touch on it as we get into our discussion today. So that's uniformitarianism. In other words, taking processes today, 
projecting them in the past, and you come up with these long ages. Now, I gave the example from geology and the geolo geological column, and we dealt with that with the Genesis flood. Right. And if you assume that the Bible is inerrant and it gives us a description of this huge catastrophic flood that encompassed the entire earth, then you would expect that it left evidence. And I believe all of the sedimentary rock layers is that evidence of a Genesis flood going all the way down to the Precambrian layer. And if that's the case, then all of those layers were not laid down over billions of years or millions and millions and millions adding up to billions, but in fact were laid down within a relatively short period of time, closer to a one year or within months rather than billions of years. So uh, the assumption of uniformitarianism and what the Bible describes concerning past events invalidates that. And that is the key assumption that is made in secular science in interpreting things like the age of the earth. Uh, same thing with radiometric dating. We talked a little bit about this. They use the same principle of uniformitarianism in that they believe that the half-lives of whether it's potassium argon decay or carbon-14 they believe that uh, those are constants, and there's actually evidence that they're not constants. But that's their assumption, and when they follow through on the assumption and make their calculations, they come up with a billion-year scenario. But there's an alternative explanation for ancient past events that uh, I think the Bible not only describes, but there's even scientific evidence for them as well. We talked about the Genesis Flood, for example. Even in astrophysics, one of the main arguments for an ancient billion-a-year universe is the, the light that we can see that from galaxies and stars that are billions of light years away. The argument is, well, that light had to take all of those billions of years to get here for us to be able to see it. But again, it's based on the assumption of uniformitarianism that light has always traveled at that the same it's always speed. had it traveled at the same speed as it does today and one of the things that uh, russ humphreys believes is that uh, the speed of light is not a constant so that's kind of the overview of what uniformitarianism is all about okay and then well we're going to take a break when we come back uh ray i assume we're going to be looking at the biblical uh, refutation of uh, uh, uniformitarianism. Yep. I'd like to get into a little bit of it. And like I said, we'll just touch on it. All right. Well, if you just tuned in, uh, raise our guest for the entire hour, and he'll be the guest speaker at uh, the Creation Science Fellowship of New Mexico meeting next Tuesday night, the third Tuesday of each month at Faith Bible Church on Central at Moon, 7 p.m. next week. Uh, free to attend um, every uh, month, and you'll find details on their website at csfnm.org. We'll be back uh, with more from Ray Mondragon right after this on ABQ Connect. Hey, this is the weekend, the Family Life Weekend to remember at the High Regency Tama, uh, Tamaya Resort on the Santa Ana Pueblo, uh, February 16th through the 18th with Family Life. 
uh, that are doing that. If you want to find out more about how you can connect with Family Life for this weekend to remember, go to klyt.fm. Right on the home page there, at the top of the page, you'll see the banner. Uh, just click on that. It'll take you to uh, all the information you need for the weekend to remember. This full hour on ABQ Connect today, Ray Mondragon in studio with us, uh, and we're touching on uh, some of what uh, Ray will be sharing on next uh, Tuesday at the uh, Creation Science Fellowship of New Mexico uh, at Faith Bible Church, 7 p.m. That's Central and Moon, uh, and their website is csfnm.org. Uh, and Ray, uh, uh, we're in the midst of uh, considering the age of the universe, and uh, the last segment uh, mostly focused on the fatal flaw of old worldview being uniformitarianism. Uh, so where do we pick up? Well, we started talking about the weakness of it, yeah. so let's conclude a little bit of it, and then we'll we'll see that the Bible actually refutes it in uh, several passages, not just one, but uh, we'll look at uh, a central passage to begin with. First of all, I mentioned that it is the the fundamental assumption of how do you interpret past events. You take processes today. And you just project them back, and you can end up with a billion-year universe. But that has some problems. First of all, you can't go back into the past to verify it, so it's unverifiable. It's a scientific assumption that cannot be verified scientifically because you can't go back in the past. And there's actually scientific evidence. You, you mentioned one of the lines of evidence, the Mount St. Helens event and other catastrophic events that we do know about, uh, they, they point towards more of a catastrophic interpretation of past events rather than a uniformitarian interpretation. And one of the main weaknesses is that uh, Scripture discusses uniformitarianism and refutes it. So it goes against Scripture. And we that believe in the Bible would say that's one of the main weaknesses of that assumption. If it goes against Scripture, then uh, we need to be careful with it. And there's a passage that uh, the Apostle Peter, in his second book, so in Second Peter chapter 3, in his day there were mockers of the second coming. And their argument was a uniformitarian argument. And notice what Peter says, beginning in verse 3. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking. Now, I don't have time to get into the idea of the last days, but Peter viewed even the first century as the beginning of the last days, basically. Right. I guess I had always thought that everything after the day of Pentecost yes. until Jesus comes are the last days. Right. Yeah. I don't think the early church envisioned a 2000 year church age. Exactly. Yeah. So in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking following after their own lusts. And here's their assumption. Here's their scientific conclusion saying verse four, Where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. In other words, everything has always been the same. 
everything has been constant. Constants have been constant. Measurements that we make today, you can project back. Uh, verse 4 is basically their assumption. And beginning in verse 5 through the rest of the passage, Peter is going to set out and refute their uniformitarian assumption. And then Peter goes on, for when they maintain this, in other words, this is their, when they maintain this assumption, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water by water. And what he's saying here is the whole universe came about as a result of a radical change. In other words, there was no universe, and all of a sudden, God creates a universe formed out of water by water. So the creation itself is a radical change in the existence of all things, you might say. Then he goes on, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded by water. Here's a second event that he refers to. So the flood, he's referring to the Genesis flood. The Genesis flood was so radical that everything changed. And there is not only biblical evidence, but scientific evidence that the world before the flood, and it's stated here in 2 Peter 3, that world was destroyed and was radically different than the world in which we live in. So we live in a post-flood world, and some of the constants have been changed, and certainly all of the ge geological formations on the face of the earth are radically different than they, what they were before the Genesis flood. So uh, Peter is refuting their assumption, and he's even looking forward, and the Bible indicates that there's going to be another radical change in the future. In other words, the universe that we live in now is not going to continue. The constants are going to be radically changed. The laws of science will be changed. He says, verse 6, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water, verse 7, but by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Now, we don't have to get, we don't have time to go into a lot of other scriptures, but the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, describes an age of history. We could call it the millennial kingdom, conditions on the universe, basically on the earth, but throughout the universe, are going to be radically different than they are today. Uh, there are going to be resurrected people walking around. What's the physics of a resurrection body? Can you give me the, <laughs> the biology of a resurrection body? Uh, so human beings are going to be radically different. Uh, Isaiah 65 and other passages speak of lions laying down with a lamb. Mm -hmm. So their, their nature is going to be different. So biology is going to be affected in the future. So we believe in radical future changes and the Bible tells us about these, those radical changes in the future, the radical changes that the Bible discusses in the past, radically affected the physical world and therefore all of science. 
So the principle of uniformitarianism or the, the assumption is a, an assumption that goes against Scripture. I am tracking, Ray. This is very interesting. Very interesting. Um, we're actually uh, close enough to up uh, against the break. Would it be a good time to go to a break? Be a good kind. Okay. Good kind. Uh, we're visiting with Ray Mondragon with the Creation Science Fellowship of New Mexico. He'll be their speaker next Tuesday night, February 20th at 7 p.m. at Faith Bible Church Central at Moon. Go to their website, csfnm.org, and join us monthly uh, to hear from Ray. Uh, he's a regular guest on ABQ Connect, and uh, not only have we posted uh, the audio from our discussions at uh, abqconnect.online, uh, but forhisglory.org. No, dot com. Dot com. Dot com. For his glory, and that's F O R, his glory, NM, NM dot com uh, is Ray's site. That's for his glory, NM dot com uh, to get to our past discussions. Uh, and we're going to come back and hear uh, more from Ray as we uh, finish up our conversation and hopefully have a, uh, at least a minute or so to tease about our next uh, time together uh, before the end of uh, today's conversation. We'll get to it after the break on ABQ Connect. All right, thanks for joining us later uh, this week on ABQ Connect. Uh, uh, we will actually tomorrow get an update from uh, Brian Nixon is going to join us to talk about the Calvary Preschool. He'll bring uh, some staff from preschool to uh, get us some insight into that. Uh, and then uh, the uh, the end of the week, uh, we'll, Friday is tip, typically Friday we get our Heritage Foundation update and our Friday financial update, uh, that with uh, Brian Cochran from John Moore Associates. We're going to do that this week, God willing. We're planning to do that. We'll also get an update from the ranches. Uh, and if you've been a listener for any length of time, way back, they called it the Boys and Girls Ranches of New Mexico. It's simply the ranches now. Uh, and we'll get an update from them on Friday's broadcast. Uh, so stay with us for that. And stay with us for the remainder of today's discussion with Ray Mondragon. Uh, Ray is uh, going to be the speaker at next week's uh, Christian Science Fellowship of New Mexico at Faith Bible Church uh, Central at Moon on Tuesday night, February 20th at 7 p.m., free to attend. Uh, and if you're hearing some of what you're hearing now, and maybe you've had discussions with others on uh, some of the topics that we're covering, I encourage you to come out next Tuesday. Uh, bring your friend with you. Uh, Ray, I'm assuming most weeks there's a time of Q&A. Oh, absolutely. Every time. Yeah. Every time there's always – it's pretty informal. Uh, we give a good talk, but even during the talk, I don't mind people – yeah, interrupting and, and 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 if people are inviting someone, I can tell you just from knowing Ray, this is a safe place to go to have the discussion uh, with no judgment, uh, but uh, along the lines of "Come, let us reason together." And we want families to come. We want uh, kids that are in school. Uh, yeah, not only homeschoolers, but especially public school kids that are hearing the opposite. In other words. They're hearing the secular viewpoint. Right, right. So uh, uh, we talked uh, today, we kind of reviewed some of what we've talked about uh, the last several uh, months uh, and then looked at the fatal flaw of universal uniformitarianism uh, and uh, have pressed on to how the Bible refutes what it has to say. Yep. Uh, and a very interesting, uh, Ray, if people missed what we've already talked about, I encourage them to go back and review uh, at uh, either your site at uh, uh, forhisglorynm.com or 
abqconnect.online. But let's press on, Ray, and we'll uh, we'll finish it up. Well, as we saw the last segment, 2 Peter 3, Peter himself refutes uniformitarianism by saying, in the past there have been these radical changes in the universe, essentially. He gives two examples. Now he hints at a third. He doesn't explicitly state it. But he said the world that existed then, he's talking about the world before the flood. Now, that world between the fall of man and the flood was radically different than the post-flood world. But it was also radically different from the world that God created. He created a very good universe. And because of man's sin, the earth was cursed In fact, the serpent first was cursed, and I believe there's evidence in Genesis 3 that points to several scientific effects of the fall of man on the entire universe. We can start with uh, the serpent. Uh, The text itself says, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, in other words, deceived the woman, cursed are you. And notice the little phrase, more than all the cattle. So biology, or you might even say zoology, was affected, including the cattle. Now, that's a Hebrew word. More than uh, indicates that. uh, Just the serpent. Right. So you might say uh, there's a hint there that all of zoology was affected. So the zoology after the fall of man is radically different than before. And does we know. It, does that, uh, uh, is, there, is there any, uh, I don't want to say argument against, but uh, in various translations, does that translate? No, no, no problem there. Yeah. There's no issue there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. And we know as God continues to describe the penalty of sin and the curse, it affected the woman. And it appears that before the fall, in a very good creation, there was no pain in childbirth. Now, that's just one area. But it implies that uh, humans were affected as a result of the fall physically. And our bodies are different. And the woman's attention is called the woman. Now, later on, he's going to deal with the man. But I would say all of anthropology was affected. So the anthropology before the fall was radically different than after the fall. And you can go down the list. Talks about the ground being cursed. He's discussing geophysics. So the geophysics was radically different in a very good creation, different from after the fall. So the fall had drastic effect on all of geophysics. And it calls attention to thorns and thistles. So they may not have been uh, present before because there's a newness there so you might say botany was affected so the botany is different and even physics talks about toil sweat and death now it's related primarily to man and uh, anthropology but you can see some of the physical laws of physics probably were affected as well so there's some at least statements that indicate a radical change from the pre or the pre-fall world 
which we call a very good creation, and the post-fall. Now, we see similar effects relating to the Genesis flood. I've already pointed to all of geology is, is different, all of geophysics. There was no geological column in the way that we know it and see it and can observe it today if you believe that the flood lay down about a mile, at least that's the measurement at the Grand Canyon, you can measure about a mile down of sedimentary rock layers, all of those rock layers down to the great unconformity, which would be the boundary between the Cambrian and Precambrian layers. So everything above that would have been laid down by the Genesis flood. So all of that is radically different. So all of geology is radically different before and after. And you might even study the area of tectonics and even secularists uh, believe that there is the possibility of what uh, some describe as Pangaea, only one continent. And we as creationists believe that the continents were separated from this Pangaea, if you want to call it that, and into the present configuration of continents because of plate tectonics. So all of plate tectonics was affected. And you can go down the list. Uh, I'm going to go into more detail in our discussion next week. But zoology, there's a, there's a note in the Genesis account that says that animals were slightly different or made different. Climatology, there's evidence that the ice age is a byproduct of the Genesis flood and came after the Genesis flood. So climatology was radically changed and is different. And obviously oceanography, at least the boundaries, if in fact the continents were broken up. And another note dealing with mankind is, we might say anthropology was affected. And the note that the Bible gives us is, or several notes in terms of the age of men before the flood were 900, Adam lived 930 years, Methuselah, what is it, 969 years, the oldest man. And uh, even Enoch, who didn't die, he was taken up, he lived 365 years, which is unheard of in our present environment, you might say. So something radically different took place in the biological world, you might say, and or the world of creatures and yeah, particularly do, mankind. Do what we see in some uh, natural history museums uh, seem to support the the change in in zoology when you see like I don't, I'm trying to remember I'm, I'm specifically thinking of going to the Science and Industry Museum in Chicago. Uh, I want to say like a huge toad, you know? Yes, yeah, uh, and and. You know, just the fact that that things grew uh, as big as they did, maybe you know. Uh, and I was much younger when I went there. Well, but, dinosaurs themselves—they right. probably don't cannot exist in a post-flood world, and they died out. So that's a a bit of data that indicates something radical change there. Now, uh, each of those uh, ologies that you mentioned, whether it's mm -hmm. zoology, anthropology, botany. Uh, ge uh, ge climatology, oceanography. <laughs> right. Um, uh, does it seem that all of them were affected both by 
the fall of man and by the flood? or uh, Some of them possible. Okay. But particularly the ones that are called out, I, those are the ones that I gave reference right. to. Yeah, if Scripture supports it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very good. And similar with the flood. I told the listeners this would be interesting. And actually, we're just about out of time. Uh, we got about two minutes. So I don't know how much you, you want to finish on where we are and, and preview what's coming. Well, I think that's that gives you a taste of what we'll be doing next Tuesday. Okay. And next Tuesday, I'll have lots of PowerPoint slides and a little bit more detail. But uh, I think we gave the audience a very good preview. Very interesting. And actually enough to encourage someone who's had some of these discussions, you need to come Tuesday (laughs) uh, and hear what Ray has to share. Bring the family. Yeah, bring the family. uh, uh, Bring your class. uh, Yep. uh, Bring your friends. uh, And let's talk... uh, just briefly, next uh, next time we get together next month, uh, what, what we hope to accomplish. Well, one of the things is actually related to what we're talking about here. Russ Humphreys, I've invited him, and he's committed to come. Well, not come, but over over the, the phone. Right. Uh, he's going to give the results of the rate group, radioisotope and the age of the Earth. And there's evidence for not only a relatively young Earth— But one of the conclusions they came to is the very things that we're talking about. In other words, the flood radically changed everything. And their data and their experiments indicate that there's a pre-flood world that was radically different than the post-flood world. And he's going to give some of the results of that rate group project. All right. Uh, We appreciate Ray Mondragon's time today. Uh, And again, uh, to find out more about the Creation Science Fellowship of New Mexico, csfnm.org. Ray will be speaking next Tuesday night at 7 o'clock at Faith Bible Church uh, with that group. And that's at Moon and Central. Uh, Join us tomorrow. We'll get an update from uh, Calvary Preschool with Brian Nixon and more. All part of tomorrow's show on ABQ Connect.